everybody. Welcome back to the Home Class Movie Chat. We are your hosts, movie fanatics, Kat. And Paul. And we just love to talk about all things movies. We certainly do. And this week's movie, I must say, I'd never seen before. I still can't believe you haven't seen this. This uh, is one of my favorite movies. It's an all right movie. I mean, I, I it was it... wonderful. It was brilliant. <laughs> it's so I... much better than what's it called? The Megaforce. Yeah. <laughs> No, Megaforce will always be the creme de la creme as far as movies goes. There is the Godfather, then there is Megaforce. <laughs> me. <sighs> now, this movie was released in 1987. It was at the height of the Kevin Costner excitement that he has just eaten a bit in the bag of chips. We have to have Kevin Costner everywhere. It was also the movie- at the height of the... No, actually, this is the one that like really launched his career as a leading man. Uh, did it? Yeah. This was is this one, one of his be- earlier films. This wasn't before Field of Dreams, was it? Uh, give me one second. Because I'm just wondering whether this was. What movie are we talking about right now? It's, it was released on August the 14th, 1987. It runs for 114 minutes. There are times where it really does feel like 114 minutes, everyone. No, um, it does not. <laughs> the it budget, goes so fast. The budget was $15 million, and the box office taking was $35.5 million. So it didn't do a huge, mind-blowing explosion at the box office, but it still it made its money um, back, which was good. Okay. Now, so, before we get started, what movie are we talking about? We are talking about the movie No, no Way, Way Out. Oh, come on. You wanted to do it? Yeah. Okay, go. What movie are we talking about? Never mind. You've done it now. They needed a hero. I understand he has a background in intelligence. There's two tours of naval intelligence. Get him here. He liked excitement. Take us somewhere. He wanted her. Their passion upset the balance of power. What's all this top secret business I've been hearing about over the Pentagon? You know I work for Bryce? Then that makes two of us. This one can do things for me like no other woman I've ever met. Behind the cover-up. Try and understand. The power. The important thing is to abort an investigation before it ever gets to you. You haven't told me everything. Who's running this thing at the Pentagon? The new boy, Farrell. So we can take the fall in case anything goes wrong. The loyalty. I love you. I promise I'll work everything out. How did you actually meet the Secretary of Defense? I need a car. It's an emergency. These people have already tried to kill one person who knew. Bring this one down. No, 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 you can't think that. Behind the deceit. If it were your intention to bring down David Bryce, then I'd have no choice but to make sure that you didn't get away with it. They mean to kill me, Sam. Because of the truth, there's no way out. Kevin Costner. Gene Hackman. Sean Young. Will Patton. No way out. Okay, so looking at Kevin Costner's history. Yes, his filmography, yep. Okay, so the first, his very first thing was Malibu Hot Summer. He was actually in Night Shift. He was? He was frat boy number one. Oh, okay. Yep. You know, so he had a lot of like little bits and pieces. His first real movie was The Big Chill. And do you know who he played in The Big Chill? No, I know the other actors were alongside of him, but I don't know who he played. He was the corpse. <laughs> He's the guy who died. <laughs> oh, the poor bugger. That yeah. was his and big claim to fame. And then he had a couple of other ones that I've honestly never really ha- heard from. And then we had Silverado in 1985. That, I think, was that the big breakout role? of? That you? was not the big breakout role. Oh, okay. It's one of the few that he was known for early. Then there was that episode of Amazing Stories. Where he played the the belly pilot, or no, where he was he the pilot, the, and the guy the, the gun was the in belly the belly. Got, the belly gunner got stuck. Yeah, yeah. Amazing that stories was great. Was... That's one of my favorite episodes of Amazing Stories. Yeah, Amazing Stories is brilliant. Yep, and then became his big breakout role, which was Field of Dreams. No, still no, no. Elliot Ness in The Untouchables. Oh, with Kit with. With um, Sean Connery. In 1987. Followed quickly by No Way Out. Which is the one we're doing today. Then Bull Durham with Susan Sarandon. Okay. Then Field of Dreams. Wow. 
and then he tanked himself right down into the crapper when he decided to do Waterworld. Well, that, okay. And then there was a few other not of note thing. Okay. So uh, No Way Out was in 1987, Bull yep. Durham in 88, Field of Dreams in 89. And then his next biggie was R- Dances with Wolves in 1990. Yep. Followed up by Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in 1981. And, we, and we're going to have to do that one. because <laughs> I was, so apparently, Yeah, apparently we've actually, a lot of people have said, including you, the accent's a bit hard. Oh, it's it. terrible. It's so bad. It, okay. It's so, it's, it's sort of like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It's so bad. It's awesome. <laughs> or, okay. pl- or Plan 9 from Outer Space. It's not that bad. But, Plan 9 is pretty cool, though. Yeah, but it's so bad, it's awesome. Yeah. And, but honestly, the best thing about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, is Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, I've heard you he, say that. God rest his soul. He was so brilliant in that. Then we had, in the same year, 1991, um, JFK. Yep, which was so the long. Which one was 92? The Bodyguard. Yes, that was a great movie. Yeah. And 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 then there's you know a few others, but yeah. The very first movie that I ever saw Kevin Costner in, uh-huh. and it was his very, very early um movies, which was called American Flyers. Yeah, that one uh was back in American Flyers was just before Amazing Stories in 1985. Yeah, really good movie that he was actually a cyclist who um had a brain aneurysm and he was um, what they thought originally was that his his brother was actually the one dying, but it ended up to be Kevin Costner's um, uh, character that was actually dying of a brain aneurysm, okay. uh, of alive brain cancer or whatever. And it was like his last last chance to be um, on a professional cycling team to try and win the hell of the West. Yeah, and it was and a have, really great movie. And I have to admit, he does, you know, and and some of the best. It, it's ironic because he made some of the best baseball movies ever filmed, yeah. and he doesn't even care for baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because it's it started with Bull Durham, mm-hmm. then Field of Dreams, and then For Love of the Game, which was actually a beautiful film in 1999. Yeah, I never seen that one. Oh, I love that movie. It's gorgeous. So let's get into the plot of this movie. Oh, I didn't realize there was a short called Field of Dreams 2, The Lockout. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I've never seen that one. No. It was um, just a short thing. So now I like the fact that this movie sort of opens up and it doesn't give you uh, a whole, you know, you, you're only getting to start to see um, little bits and pieces. Now, this movie stars Kevin Costner, Gene Hackman, Sean Young. I saw more of Sean Young than I've ever seen of her before, which was awesome. <laughs> Um, Will Patton and Howard. Nakedness or actually on screen time? Or toplessness, which was good. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Will Patton and Howard Duff. Now, it doesn't give you a whole, uh, it doesn't really show you what's going on. All it really tells you is there's this guy, which is Kevin Costner's um, character by the name of Tom Farrell. And we start to see originally that he's being interrogated. We don't know why he's being interrogated. You can see him. Or by whom? I mean, obviously, you see the two guys sitting across from him, and you you immediately look at him and, and look at them and go, "Uh huh." If they're CIA, then I'm a monkey's uncle because they don't look CIA. These guys look like they've been dragged um, off the street, and they, and he's looking at a at a, a screen, uh, like a, as a mirror. So obviously, we know this it's is an interrogation room. It's an inter a two way room, two way mirror in the room. And he even says, "Is the guy behind the mirror going to come out and talk to me at, at some stage?" And we really don't know very much about what why he's in this room, but we do see that he transitions back six months earlier, and we're seeing that he's at this inaugural ball. Now, you said to me there was a tell in this movie. Now, yeah, there is, and we'll if, get to it. If no one, uh, do we want to do a spoiler now? Um. Or we just okay. Let's just no. say there is a tell in this movie that I didn't pick up, and I must admit that the very last I actually movie, did pick it up this time around. See, I actually I, did catch it. See, I never did. And at the end of this movie, I was actually pleasantly surprised that I went, oh, my God, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it's 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 one of those movies, kind of like The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Okay? That when you're going through it, you, you, you are given everything you need to figure this out. Yeah. It's shown to you. It's handed to you on a silver platter. But it's genius writing that you just don't see it coming. It's like when I, I took a playwriting class once and I'll never forget 
um, my, my professor saying that the goal of great writing is to have the outcome be a complete surprise yet inevitable. Yeah. Where it you but that once you get to the other side of it, you realize it could not have happened any other way, but you don't see that until you've been shown it. Yeah. And that is what this movie does so beautifully. There are so many twists and turns. There's so much to this, so much that just keeps you on the edge of your seat about it. It's like, is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Is this person going to die? Is this person going to die? And you just, you know, are they going to get caught? Is it, you know, and it just really keeps you guessing right up to the very end when they just reveal everything. This is why I love this movie so much. This is honest to God, one of my absolute favorite, favorite movies. I could watch this again tomorrow. So now Kevin Costner plays the Lieutenant Commander Tom Farrell. Yep. And he's at the Office of Naval Intelligence. Now, what did we think about him, his his character? Um, he's a, he's he's just a normal guy. He's a good guy. You know, because yeah. okay, so it starts out where they're at this ba- at this ball. Yeah. And he hooks up with Sean Young. And that's a whole other day's discussion. But we'll get to it in this in this episode, obviously. We'll get to it. And know. he, you know, so they hook up, they have a they start to have they start a they they start out by having a, a one night stand that turns into a relationship. Because he's he's heading off to the to the Philippines. Yeah. He's so he's go on board actually, a ship. Because he's in the Navy, he's headed out to sea. Yeah. He's a naval commander. Yeah. And we see him on the ship that's in a really bad storm and he ends up saving the life of one of the men that almost got washed overboard. Yeah. And so and when he bo- ends up getting um, a commendation because of this, which is in the newspaper that you see that Gene Hackman is reading a little bit later on when he's looking for a liaison. Yeah. Now Gene Hackman plays secretary Bryce. And now, do we want to talk about who almost got the roles before we get into it? Or yes, want- absolutely. Yeah. Who, okay. got, who almost got the roles? Now, a little, little bit of um, uh, trivia is thinking back to Birdemic and how long that opening <laughs> sequence was. Yeah, the driving. The, the driving. Going. And we're driving. And we're driving. And, and guess driving. what? We're still driving. So the opening credit sequence, which is panning over the city of Washington, D.C., which is a really a beautiful city. But it does has- take a long time lasts for three minutes and 12 seconds before it finally arrived. Oh my God. I knew it was, I knew it took a while. Yeah. Over three minutes. Yeah. You could really speed through that start of the opening part of the movie. So interestingly, the fugitive came, was filmed around the same time. Yep. And both Kevin Costner and Gene Hackman were considered for the roles that ultimately went to Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Really? Yeah. Um, it yeah, worked better actually, with Harrison I, Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, it does work better. But I mean, I could, I could see, I could see it. But I, I don't can't think see Gene Hackman in that role. I just can't. As Tommy, uh, as Tommy Lee Jones. Uh-uh. Um, yeah, I can see him as a as a police officer. I can see him as a police officer, but not that particular role. Mm, okay. Now, looking at. Tom Farrell, the role that went to ultimately Kevin Costner. And many people do consider that this role is what really launched his career as a leading man. Okay. Yeah. Character actor. Yeah, I can see that. So other people considered for Tom Farrell were Mel Gibson. Mm, Back in the early days. Yeah, I could see that. A young Mel Gibson. Young Mel Gibson. I could see it. I could see that. Harrison Ford. Uh, Young Harrison Ford, I could see too, but but he doesn't quite have the vulnerability that Kevin Costner brought ultimately brought to it. Alec Baldwin. No. Michael Keaton. No, not at all. Kurt Russell. Yes. Patrick Swayze. Yes, I could see him. Dennis Quaid. No. I, maybe. Maybe. No, I can't see Dennis Quaid. Bruce Willis. Get Die Hard out of your mind. Get action out of your mind. So he, he's come off from, from Moonlighting. Yes. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Young Bruce Willis yeah. from Moonlighting, yeah. I'm not sure who this is. Michael Nori. No, I don't know who that guy is either. Richard Gere. Yes, because he came off as an officer and a gentleman. Yes. 
So I could see him in this role. But again, I don't think he'd, I mean, it, and don't he's get me that vulnerability. I adore Richard Gere, but I'm not I, sure he could quite bring the fullness that Kevin Costner did. I, I think that actually he and Sean Young would have a good chemistry on set. Yeah, yeah, they would. Michael Bean. No. William Hurt. No. Tommy Lee Jones. No, no, not at all. Jeff Bridges. Nope. Tom Cruise. Oh, now is this off of After Top Gun? I know. I think, it was, risky I think this was before Tom, Top Gun. So this would have been Risky Business, then would have been No yeah. Way Out. Okay. So maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Sean Penn? No. No. Christopher Lambert, Highlander. I could see him in this okay. role. Now, there are two that I I saved to last because they're favorites. Yeah, okay. One is a absolutely not and the other one is i think it would have been brilliant okay so the absolutely not as yep. much as i love adore and my heart breaks to know that he's no longer here uh-huh robin williams no not at all <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not robin would be too hot no he i just... mean he can do straight no but no it just wouldn't work but the but the one that i think because i'm thinking about because he would have come off of mork and mindy yeah so he was still in the comedy routine was, right but if you think back to Patch Adams, he can play drama beautifully. He had yeah. phenomenal range as an actor, but I don't think he would have been right for this role. No, not at all. But the one that I think would have been beautiful. Yeah. Bill Paxton. Really? Yeah, I could see Bill Paxton in this role. No, I but can't. I but I still think Kevin Costner was the right choice. Yeah, look, Kevin Costner was definitely, when you see the movie, but in an alternate universe, all the people that you've already mentioned have already played the role. So yeah. we're only seeing this this reality, which is Kevin Costner. Yeah. Patrick Swayze, definitely. I think Richard Gere would be an outstanding choice. Yeah. Because 87, he's oh, just... Officer Gentleman. Oh, God. Officer and a Gentleman. So he's Officer and a Gentleman. I have to watch that now. Officer and a Gentleman with Deborah Winger, but mm -hmm. this is just before he launches and does Pretty Woman. Yeah. Oh God, I love that movie. So this would have been this would have been very very this would have been prime Richard Gere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though, as I said, you mentioned this movie to me, I had never seen this movie before. Yeah. But the funny thing is that I've seen Richard Gere in Officer and a Gentleman and Pretty in and uh, Pretty Woman. So yeah. now for. Will Patton, the secretary's assistant. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to him. Yeah, yeah we'll get to him. Will but Patton the is considered for his role included Colin Friels. Yeah, okay. Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see it, but I wouldn't have liked it. Wouldn't have liked it, but I would have said I could see it. Sam Shepard. Maybe. Scott Glenn. Yes, I could see him in it. Yeah. This one I could definitely see Gary Oldman. Yes, I could see him because he would have come off of um, Sid and Nancy. Yep. Stephen Lang. Mm. Mm. Alec Baldwin. No, I don't think Alec would have been able to. He's competing between Alec Baldwin's giant ego and Kevin Costner's giant ego along with Gene Hackman. No way. That wouldn't work. Um, Michael Bean. Uh, no, because he's come off of. Um, Aliens. Yeah. JT Walsh. Because also you've got, okay, so Michael Bean, you've got, he's done Aliens. He's done, he's done he's, okay, so he's done Terminator first. Then he's done Aliens. Then he would have gone on to this. So this would have yeah. slotted in between Terminator and Aliens. Yeah. I don't think he, he, no, I don't think he would have been good with this role. JT Walsh. Yeah, maybe. John Hurt would have been good. Yeah. Ron Perlman, who I can never hear that name and not think of the TV series Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And I he would have been okay, but I, I think he's too much of a of the good guy, not yeah. You know? Um Ozzy Brian Brown. Uh no. no, no, not not him. Now the last one, I think he could have been brilliant. I, I actually think he would have been brilliant. Okay. In and and in some ways even better than Will Patton was. Mm -hmm. James Spader. Definitely. I actually think he However, okay, so James Spader has come off of um, Less Than Zero yeah, with Andrew McCarthy and Robert Downey Jr. Um, so he's come off of that. 
So, and then he's going on to pretty in pink. So but thinking I'm, about his um, performance in Wolf with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and, and Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I think he would have been brilliant. Yeah. I think yeah. James Spader could have definitely pulled it off. Yep. And I think he would have brought more depth and holistic quality to it. Whereas I thought he was rather one dimensional. How would you have thought if we were, if um, James Spader had it been Kevin Costner's um, part? No, wouldn't have worked. Wouldn't have worked. Nope. Hmm. But I I think I think Will Patton did a credible job of Scott. He Pritchard, did. But I think James Spader would have been better. Yeah, I do too. I think that would have been a great great idea. Now talking about Susan Atwell, the role of the uh, that went to Sean Young. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer turned it down. Wow. Okay. And Priscilla Presley actively pursued it. No. Priscilla, no. I'm sorry. Priscilla, you're not an actress. I'm no, sorry to wasn't. say. Um, look, in, in all honesty, I think that Sean Young did a really credible job, but Sean Young isn't on screen for that huge amount mm-hmm. of time. I think in, in all, she would have probably been on the movie about 20, 25 minutes at most, and then that's yeah, it. But Paul was happy because he got to see her boobies. Oh, yeah, well, I've never seen her boobies before. But as the movie <laughs> goes on, we're seeing that... <laughs> I got I'm one sorry? more character to go. Um, okay. Yep. One more character, and then a fun fact, and then we can jump into it. Well, we're 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 halfway through it now. Howard Duff, is that the one we were going for? No, but my mom actually um, ran into him at a grocery store in Los Angeles once. Nice. Was he? Yeah, nice? they were picking out uh, cheese together. Oh, good. Was he a nice person? He was lovely. Good. Okay. What's our next one? Gene Hackman's character. Oh yes. Nice. Okay. Okay. Um, Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. John Voight. No. Donald Sutherland. Uh, maybe. Dustin maybe. Hoffman. No. no. No, not Dustin. Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Al Pacino. Definitely. Maybe, maybe, yeah. James Caan would have been brilliant. Yes, I can see him as being like, yeah, James Caan, I would definitely say, yep. Robert Duvall would have been brilliant. Now he's come off of he's done so this would have been after Godfather Part Two, and he's done Colors with Sean Penn. So yeah, I could see him, Robert Duvall. Yeah, this one absolutely not. Burt Reynolds, not a dance. This one maybe. This one actually could be a good name. Oh James Cromwell. Really? Yeah. I I don't know. David- I mean, I'll go. Donald Muffat, mm-hmm. Sean Connery, no, Robert Redford, no, uh, not really, because he's he's getting close to doing um, uh, indecent proposal. Now this one would have been good, Jason Robards. Yes, he would have been good at it. However, Robert Mitchum, Paul Newman, James Coburn. And Gregory Peck all turned down the role of David Bryce. In in all honesty, it doesn't really matter because those guys really wouldn't have wouldn't have brought very much to the to the role. Yeah, but I think um, Gene Hackman was brilliant. Gene Hackman is amazing. I mean, you know, it's such a shame. I mean, he obviously is now retired. He's reclusive. We don't ever hear from him anymore. He's only been seen out in public um once in once or twice in the last 10 years he's looking very very haggard he's not the gene hackman we all love yeah. and adore um but yeah i'd say that gene hackman was the it was the, the best choice for it for sure yeah definitely now uh a fun, little fun fact for you here mm-hmm. this was the second movie for brad pitt okay he played one of the party guests at the opening state dinner and could be seen behind Kevin Costner uh, between minutes 34 and 35 before and during the haka by the Maori. He appears in the background as a party guest in his second film appearance, and he could be seen passing directly behind Gene Hackman, just as the senator asked, uh, asked Secretary Bryce about his opinion. Ironically, Kevin Costner's second film appearance was a background party guest in the movie Night Shift. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, and we've got Night that, Shift. So. And, and that Maori haka that was yeah. being performed at the state dinner is a tribute 
to D- director Roger, Roger Donaldson being from New Zealand. I was going to say, yeah, Donaldson is for sure. Now, the fact is that as we go along with this movie, we find out that obviously um, Tom Farrell, which is Kevin Costner's character, he becomes uh, part of the CIA when he returns to Washington after getting a commendation for saving... No, he does not become part of the CIA. Uh, no, he the... becomes part of Secretary Bryce's team and is asked to liaison oh, with the that's, CIA. That's right, to be their now, eyes and ears. Before within... we get to that, though, um, there is a scene where Sean Young and Kevin Costner are getting it on in the limo. Yes. And apparently um, he, Kevin Costner was really, um, Sean Young said in an interview that while she was fine being naked in certain scenes, Kevin Costner was very nervous about her being nude. And the dialogue in the limo scene when he asks the driver to raise the sliding partition was improvised and initiated by Kevin Costner. As <laughs> the other actor's reaction seemed more natural than the scripted version, it was kept for the final print. Wow. So, yeah, see, I didn't even realize it, it was, uh, yeah, I, thought I didn't realize that it was just ad-libbed because yeah. it was a very natural And it was thing. because he was uncomfortable. Wow. Okay. That's yeah, very, even though she was the one getting naked, he was the one who was n- getting n- uncomfortable. Weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, each is to their own, I guess. So that that's fine. Um, so we see that um Gene Hackman, who is Secretary Bryce here, ends up by hiring Kevin Costner's character, which is Tom Farrell, to obviously for his new post and uh liaise with the CIA. Yeah. Now I didn't realize there was a tell in this one as well, but we see that he, that um, Tom, which is Kevin Costner's character, reunites with his friend and land, landlord, Sam Hasselman, a very nice Russian man. Mm. Very, very nice guy. Um, he's kept all his apartment the way he, he's, you know, he's yep. obviously paying for it. So it's all good. Um, and we find out that, uh, sorry, no, sorry, he reunites with his old friend, is a landlord, but one of his friends, Sam Hesselman, who works in the Pentagon's new computer center. So Sam Hesselman is not the landlord. There's a very nice Russian gentleman who's is Kevin Costner's landlord. And then when he goes, when Kevin Costner goes to Washington into the Pentagon, he's reunited with his friend, Sam. And now, as we are finding out, now <laughs> Kevin's and Kevin and Sean Young's characters are starting to get romantically involved with each other. But we also find out that there is a little underlying thing between Gene Hackman's character and Sean Young's character. Okay. Now, before they jump into that, though, mm-hmm. um, so they have their little fling. He goes to see. He comes back. Well, as just when he finds out he's coming back to Washington, he's in a strip club in Manila. Yes, he and is. tries to call Sean Young. Yeah, that's right. And if you're paying attention, mm-hmm, which I probably back, wasn't, huh? Which I probably wasn't. No, you you did mm-hmm. because you heard in the background the song "Wild Thing." Do do. Yes, I, that's right. Yep. That song, did you know, was originally written by John Voight's brother under a pseudonym. No way. <laughs> I love oh, that. My. I love that. God, okay. Oh, I like that. That's a nice little nugget on that one. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one. Now, of course, when the phone had rung in um, Sean Young's apartment, we find out that a gentleman by the name of Secretary Bryce happened to be in her apartment as well. And we find out that actually it ends up being that not only is she having some sort of relationship with Tom, but she's also happens to be Secretary Bryce's mistress. Mistress. <laughs> Kept woman, you see, and that's the thing. She's she's basically, and it, and it's it's very easy to see that to begin with because when they're at the ball, you know, there is Secretary Bryce looking over at her, but he's with his wife as well, so he can't do anything. Uh, but his wife sort of like has that look as like, oh, that is okay. You're looking at what that. You're looking at. So I think that even she knows that he's is up to no good, but she's not about to go and and say anything to him. And I think this is like with his with with gene heckman's character he's a very very strong person up to a point and we'll, we'll understand why i say up to a point as we're getting along into this yeah. uh into this movie so 
you know the her um now Sean Young's character is is at well and of course so there hers and Feral's affair continues and it's really interesting that the affair continues on even after she says to Tom yeah by the way I'm also Bryce's mistress now originally he seemed to be very okay with it but as we can see, he's not okay with it. He gets very, well, very... because the, at one point they are in her apartment and Bryce decides to stop by. So she asks Farrell to yeah, leave. Yeah, Tom to leave. Yeah. So that Bryce doesn't find out about him. Yeah, because I think it's... The, Which is the... actually a key point of the film because as Tom's leaving, he goes out the back through the alley out front and he's standing in shadow so you can't see his face, but he sees Bryce standing under a street light yeah. and they look at each other for a moment and then Bryce goes in. That is course, a very key moment. Yeah, but of course Bryce is looking directly at Farrell and Kevin Costner's... Yeah, Kevin Costner's looking directly at him. He can see him in perfect light. Because so, he's standing under a streetlight. But the other guy's got no idea who the hell this person is. Yeah. So when we see that, um, uh, so when Bryce goes in to Atwell's apartment, you know, it's like, oh, you know, who was that person? There was a person standing there. And she's like trying to explain to him that, you know, no, there was nobody there. There's yeah. nobody, such and such. The, there's there's an argument that goes backwards and forwards because once again, Bryce is unexpectedly just visiting her. Like they had no idea that this was going to be that he was even coming over. He doesn't ring to say, "Oh, by the way, I'm coming." And even he says, "Remember who pays for this." Well, this was um, just after. Well, what? No, what happened was Tom and um, Sean Young's character went away Susan. for the weekend. Susan yeah, they, went yeah. away for the weekend, and Bryce tried to call her and couldn't get a hold of her and yeah. wanted to know why. Yeah. Because as a mistress, obviously, and as a kept woman, when the person rings, you must answer. Available at his twenty four seven woman at his beck and call girl. Yeah. So because he couldn't get a hold of her, when they got home and they're very, oh, thank goodness, that was a beautiful trip. Oh, we loved it. The phone rings and she picks it up and suddenly it's Bryce going, oh, by the way, I've been trying to call you and you haven't answered. Where have you been? And she's like, uh, 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 trying to work out what to say. And then eventually she manages to get rid of him off the phone. And you think, oh, that's it. And even Tom goes, well, what's going on? And this is where she says about the fact that she is a kept woman by um, Senator Bryce. But unfortunately, this doesn't go down well with Tom, even though Tom makes the, oh, it's all good. It's all okay. No, it's not. It's not okay. He is, he's very, and look, anybody would be the same way. You know, you're trying to be, oh, it doesn't bother me, but it really does. It gets, it, it would get to you. Because yeah. it's like I want you all to myself, and how dare some other man come in to scoop up my cream? So now the other, the other, so there are three things that have happened that are really key things. One yeah. is they is that Susan snapped a Polaroid of Tom. Yep. And the negative, that thing that you pull off of it, um, gets put under the bed rather than in taken out in the trash. Yeah. That is a biggie. They all now when they were in when um so there was when they went on the weekend away, yeah. they went sailing, which was filmed out of Annapolis, Maryland, which is a gorgeous area, and Arlington, Virginia. Um, there was even some stuff filmed in Auckland, believe it or not. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. The Pentagon wouldn't allow filming inside the building. That uh, I understand. Scenes were filmed at the Department of the Interior, but they did allow the entrance to make an appearance just so long as they shot the scene quickly, which is why uh, Kevin Costner is like rushing through the lobby. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> um, but they went to, they, they, they paid extra to get a boat to themselves, a really nice boat. Yeah. And they also stayed at a like bed and like an historic themed bed and breakfast. Oh, okay. And, yep. and those three things are key because they bring the, the, the guy who rented them the boat, the bell, the bellman from the hotel in. And at one point we find that Polaroid and it figures into the story. Yeah. So of course, when we see that, you know, after Bryce has done, done this unexpo- uh, unexpected you know, entry into the the apartment. An argument goes backwards and forwards, and we we kind of figure out that he knows that she's she's seeing somebody else, and yeah. this doesn't turn well because unfortunately, he ends up by slapping her like really really hard, 
And she is backing back to say, you know, get the fuck away from me, She's, basically. And she basically runs upstairs and he follows her. Yeah. But unfortunately, and he's trying to say, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. But unfortunately, it ends up that she backs back too far and it forces her to slip away. And unfortunately, well, didn't he hit her again. Um, he, he slaps her and then he pushes her. And when he pushes her, he yeah, actually pushes her over slips. the banister. That's when she trips. Yeah. And she goes over the, the railing, the internal balcony and yeah. crashes into the glass coffee table. Killing her instantly. Yep. And of course, so then he's he's doesn't really know what to do. So what's the best thing you do? You got to ring up your, your aide. You ring up your aide, which happens to be Pritchard, yeah. uh, which is Will Patton's character. Yeah. And Pritchard removes all the evidence of Bryce from Atwood's apartment, but as he's cleaning up the apartment, making sure all the, all the fingerprints are wiped off, he discovers a negative of a photograph. The Polaroid. The Polaroid that was taken of Farrell underneath the bed. Although I did notice it when we were watching it that his arm that uh, Kevin Costner's arms were not in the same position when she no it wasn't are when they reveal it yeah so when I first saw that I'm like oh shit because <laughs> he he was so thorough like he'd cleaned everything I'm like please don't discover the picture underneath the bed he discovers the picture underneath the bed it's <laughs> like it's like yeah. oh god damn it <laughs> so. When Pritchard comes back to Atwell, he realizes that obviously she was with another guy or with another person, and the other lover could be um, a longtime KGB sleeper agent, codenamed Yuri. Well, this is okay. So, um, and this this the whole situation comes up with the idea that that because um, Secretary Bryce was going to turn himself in and yeah, and cop to this whole thing and. Pritchard's like, no, we've worked too hard. So what happened is that she was she had an affair with Yuri, and it was Yuri that killed her. And he's like, Yuri, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you said you saw another man. He saw you, so it must have been Yuri. Yeah, the Soviets, because this is because this film came out at the height of the Cold War. I was going to say America was so scared of Russia. Yeah. So anything to do with Russia, sleeper spies, and stuff like that, yeah. this it, was going to be a definite gold. Yeah. That. so you know so there's the idea oh, and it yeah. was a really interesting diversion diversionary tactic on pritchard's part to blame yuri because who'd question that yeah nobody and would the fact that they never find him yeah yeah and that way if we just put on yuri then this will clear bryce from suspicion perfect yeah, ah. because oh good while they'll give it up it'll be fine and nobody will ever think about tracing it back to Bryce. Yeah. So being the fact that he's the Pritchard's found this negative, they just they he just 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 figures out. Here's an idea. How about we slip it into the negative, uh, into the photo amongst the evidence they found in the apartment, which you know, um, unfortunately, Tom's friend Hasselman attempts to have it enhanced by the computer. Which is going to take days. It's not like this. It's not like now, yeah. where within a couple of minutes you've got the picture. It was like doing so many scans across this. I mean, this this. It was trying it, to pull out the pixels. Yeah. So if you've got a movie that's okay, so say we're in now, say forty-five minutes of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to get the rest of this picture goes from now to the very end of the of the movie. Yeah. You've got like another an hour and forty-five to go. But this is taking days upon days upon days to try and get the evidence. And this is multiple runs across the, the picture to try and get these pixels done. Now, now, the thing that really twists the knife in this movie is the next, you know, basically the next morning they call in to, uh, Tom Farrell, yep. to Secretary Bryce's office. And they're like, we need you to head up the investigation for Yuri because he's killed someone. Yeah. And they hand him the file and he's like, well, who did they kill? And they're like this woman, Susan Atwood or Atwell. Atwell. Yeah. And he's like, interesting. But you can see that he suddenly. Okay. Well. And then he, he asked to use Bryce's bathroom for a private bathroom for a moment. Cause he needs a moment, obviously. Yeah. But you got to hand it to Kevin Costner. The way he handled that is because if you didn't know him that well, it would just be like, okay, I must have eaten something wrong for breakfast. Can you excuse me for just a moment? And has this freak out 
in the bathroom and pulls himself together and is like, okay, I will have to grieve this later. I got to hold it together for now. And it was just the, the range of emotions without saying a word with no tears, without anything, but you just, you felt that it was amazing. Yeah. And the biggest thing about this is the fact that he's aware now that the physical evidence makes him the prime suspect. Exactly. and Because he, they're and, going through everything. And the only thing that he really starts to freak out about is that he knows this picture's well, uh, in existence. More than that, he knows who actually killed her. Yeah. Because he, he actually saw Bryce going into her. Oh, um, that's right. There was another secret moment that if you weren't quick, you would miss it, which mm. is before... When they were first having their relationship and he was over at, at, at Susan's place, he saw this um, jeweled snuff box that was, a, and he's like, oh, is this a gift from him? Yeah. And it was, you know, whatever. And um, that that is another, that is the thing that to link her to Bryce. Yeah. That's the only thing. And the only reason that it, it comes up is because that gift was given to him by the prime minister. Of, of, an, of, of, of another a, country from some country in the middle east yeah and so that's the morocco only, morocco yeah and that's the only way that it's going to get tied into bryce is that he's the only one that could have given it to, to See, her and and they have to declare it to the state department which bryce did not do because he gave it to his mistress yeah so tom has to get that onto the state department gift list now he goes to sam and they're doing and he's looking at the, the Polaroid and he's like, can we take it in another direction? And he's like, why? It's doing fine now. And he closes the door and he's like, look, that's me. I was having an affair with Susan. I did not kill her, but I need some time to prove it. So can you please slow it down? Yeah, like excruciatingly slow yeah. it down. You, because, you, because now I, I find it interesting. You know, he Tom's not married. Mm -hmm. Susan's not married. Yep. They're not having an affair. Yeah, they are. They're having a relationship. An affair would mean that one of them or both of them would be in relationships with other people. Mm. They're seeing well, each other. She is in a relationship with someone else and she's cheating on him. Yeah, but I wonder if wonder if Susan's actually doing it just because that she likes um she, she was Senator Bryce? in love with Tom and he was falling in love with her. Yeah. Had Bryce not interfered and she had broken up with Bryce, they probably would have gotten married. Yeah. But I'm just wondering whether she because I think that she wanted to get out of the relationship with Bryce because even though she's a kept woman, she wants to pursue the relationship with Tom. Yeah, because she was falling in love with Tom and yeah. she would have gotten out of that relationship. She would have broken up with him. Yeah. And that is ultimately why she died. Yeah. Um, so we find out that um Pritchard and Tom end up by going to see Atwell's uh Susan's friend Nina. And of course Nina's already been introduced to Tom at one point but yeah she they, they borrowed her apartment because she couldn't they couldn't go back to susan's that first <laughs> night out of the limo and they needed a place to properly get laid yeah exactly so nina went to susan's place and they used nina's apartment yeah so she knew tom on site oh she did absolutely but she pretends so not they, to recognize him at this so stage. there's the, so she he he's they assigned two goons to go to with the eliminator yeah where he goes and they go to interview Nina. And at first she go, starts to recognize Tom and he gives her that, like, no, don't say anything. Yeah, please but, don't say anything. <laughs> and, and before she can say anything, he's like, hi, I, it's nice to meet you. I'm, Tom, I'm Commander Tom Farrell. And we understand that you're friends with Susan Atwell. Yeah. And she's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. And whatnot. So we do realize that she understands that obviously yeah. Susan was having an affair with um, the senator. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, we see that it ends up being that Pritchard ends up by sending two uh, assassins to eliminate Nina. But of course, Farrell manages to get there and intervenes and warns Nina and gets her the hell away from yeah. the whole situation. Which, which Pritchard is not happy about. Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, now, as we see that, you know, Tom's trying to put this jewelry box or the snuff the snuff box into the evidence to make sure that there's a chance that when it comes to 
and putting it into the computer system is not just like, okay, can you stop the print right now? Let's just add that line and print it out. This is, okay, can you add it to the computer system? Okay, and, he, and Tom says to Sam, when is it going to spit it out? And he goes, I don't know. It's it, takes a while. it takes a while. It takes a while. In... And this is one of those old dot matrix printers. Oh, my God. It takes so long. Like, you see that Tom is in the computer center looking at the printout, and he's just so hyper-focused because all he wants to see is that jewelry box come into the line to say jewelry box. Now for him State to Department. actually catch it when it came out, that oh. was a miracle. Yeah. And, of course, the fact is that he's also being, as you said, being followed by these two goons by the, yeah. from the CIA that are watching him do absolutely everything, including going to the bathroom. I mean, Tom can't go to the bathroom without yeah. a guy coming with him. So it's now, like what's interesting is when he is the chase sequence when he's trying to run to warn Nina and get her away. Yeah. So Kevin Costner actually did roll over the hood of a moving car during that sequence. Oh, really? According to the film's original press material, an insurance executive approached director Roger Donaldson after the stunt and said, don't you ever, ever do that again. Yeah. Now, in this film, Kevin Costner performed most of his own stunts. He even drove without wearing his prescription glasses, much to the dismay of the insurance company, the film's <laughs> insurance company. Yeah, the insurance people are very, very nervous when it comes to like any it. any actor doing something because they are so heavily insured against to make sure they don't yeah. get hurt because they don't because like any insurance company they don't want to pay they don't want to pay anybody out this is why they have stunt and body doubles is because if those yeah. guys get hurt it's not Doesn't a matter drama. if the million plus star gets hurt that's a drama yeah because insurance companies don't like to pay anybody out for anything it's like when jackie stars. chan broke his foot making a movie and had to do the, most of it in a cast yeah, yeah, I you don't. Which movie that was? But you don't want to go and have to pay out millions of dollars because your star was injured. But I mean, I'm sure there's a workaround, something that the insurance companies would figure out. Um, so as we're going along, we're seeing that Tom's still trying to get all this evidence together to make sure that because he's really, he's really on the hook for this. All yeah. they need, all this investigation needs to do is get that photograph done, and, and he's he, done. He's sunk, you know. Yeah. Um, now we're also seeing that there's some credit card statements, which um, leads the the two witnesses to identify Atwell's mystery lover, and one of them spots Tom in a distance, confirming to the investigators that Yuri is actually inside the Pentagon. And yeah. it's like, and when you first see, you're sitting there going, "Well, hang on a minute, what do you mean, Yuri? That's Tom. That's Tom's in the. That's Commander Farrell. He's that's the one Commander that... Farrell. He's not. He's not Yuri." I don't know who you're thinking about. So they just started to do a room-by-room room search. Okay. Now, I would like to point out yeah. that, okay, a couple of things. When the man who Farrell rented the boat is brought into the Pentagon, he identifies Farrell in the corridor. Yep. As he saw him in his Navy whites, the later room-to-room room search should have been narrowed down to anyone in whites instead of going through the entire building. Yes. Tom was wearing his summer dress whites or parade whites. He wasn't wearing a uniform there. No, he wasn't. That guy to identify him at a distance wearing completely different clothing, a type of clothing was a bit remarkable. Of a <laughs> and, and at the Pentagon, nearly all military personnel wear working whites or camouflage during the week because the cost of cleaning and replacement of parade summer whites is actually really expensive. I was going to say. Yeah. So no, I, I I found that a bit of a hard stretch to do. Yeah. Now, during all of this, as things are ramping up, um, Sam. Okay, so when he's trying to get Sam to put the snuff box, the the uh, an jeweled enamel snuff box, into the State Department gift list. Yeah. He the reason why he tell because Sam's just like, what is going on, and he takes him aside and he's like, look. Susan was Bryce's mistress. Yeah. He's the one who killed her. I yeah. need to be able to prove that. And Sam, trying to do the right thing, he's worried about his friend Tom. He tells Pritchard. The worst person you could have ever told. Who then ultimately shoots and kills him. Yeah. I When I saw him do that, when I saw him go to Pritchard, I was like, yeah. please. Please don't go there. I mean, I I just had that suspicion that he was going to do it. Yeah, but and I just George wanted him. Zanza was beautiful in that role. Yeah, I just wanted him just to stay away 
from Pritchard because I knew that Sam was going to get in trouble. Yeah. And as soon yeah. as he, he says, oh, and by the way, and then turns around and shoots him, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. And so there, so this this filming, the, the Pentagon chase scene is probably the longest, most drawn out part of this film. Oh, God, it's such a long chase It scene. actually, believe it or not, it actually went on for five minutes. So it felt like it. Yeah, it did. Um, now, what's interesting is they were like, okay, it's coming to the end of the workday and we haven't completed the search of the building. And they come up with the bright idea of making everybody leave through one entrance with both of the eyewitnesses looking at everybody as they go by. That was a great idea. Now, honestly, what they should have done, the first thing they should have done is say, okay, all of the women go to a different entrance. Yeah. Because it was a man. Exactly. Um, but did you know that tw- between 23 and 25,000 people work in or are visiting <laughs> Pentagon on a weekday? Seriously. Oh That's my. why people were bitching so hard about wanting to go home because uh, that's how many people they had to filter out. That's ridiculous. Like I said, they could have really cut down at least a third of the people if they said all the women go to this other end exit and just the men come through this one okay so knowing back in 87 the the female movement in the government wasn't that strong so if you've got twenty five thousand people i would say cut that by at least five five thousand ten thousand women maybe a quarter of the people but i'd say i'd say ten thousand people being all women would be ejected so it would leave fifteen thousand men no it would have been less than ten so five thousand Maybe seven, seven thousand. So you, yeah. so you now you got twenty three thousand, or do I twenty two thousand other people going through the? Okay, let's say, um, let's say, let's let's go, let's cut it in the middle and say twenty four thousand. Okay. People, uh, minus seven thousand is seventeen thousand. So seventeen thousand men are going to go through one entrance, yeah. and all the women go through the other one. Yeah. Because it wasn't a girl; it was a man. But you could also say, okay, so if this guy was in his 30s, that anybody like 50 and above could have gone through the other exit. No, I would have just said, I just would have just done what you said. Yeah. All the women go to another entrance. You guys are going home. You're not even involved in this. Yep. Uh, all the guys, you're coming through the main entrance. Yep. And we have to run you past these two witnesses. That would have been the smart thing. So, But you don't want to spoon feed the um, audience that much because we're getting to the end of this podcast and uh, getting towards the end of this movie. And I like it how... Um, you know, Tom's being pursued by the assailants that um, uh, that Pritchard's got all, all organized, and he manages to reach Bryce, uh, Bryce's office. Now, before he gets to Bryce's office, he's actually seen in the printout in the gift registry. He's there was a snuff it off, box. and he's stuck it in his pocket. And he has run like hell to get up to there. Yeah. And he confronts him with the printout of gift of the gift registry. Yep. And of course, Pr- Pritchard prepares to implicate Tom as Yuri. Yep. At will and and Hesselman's death, which is uh, Sam's death. Bryce, however, decides to improvise a different story to buy Farrell's silence, and he says, "Well, if I pay you X amount of money, can we just make this go away?" Now we think to yourself, "Okay, well that that might work," but we find out <laughs> that Pritchard, who is also infatuated with Bryce, which is Gene, yep. because Hackney's, we did find out earlier that he's gay. Pritchard is gay. Yeah. So he's been secretly uh, in love with his boss, which is Kevin, uh, with his, which is Gene Hackman's character. But of course, we find out that um, we, we obviously we see that maybe there's a different take on this. That maybe he actually killed uh, Atwell out of jealousy. Yeah. The, so the, now we see that Bryce. Yeah, so so what what Bryce is doing is saying, okay, if you're not going to take money, this is what we can do. I didn't kill her; it was all him. He, I've already always known that he's gay. I have always known that he's got an, an a, a you know affectionate feeling towards me. But because I was with Atwell, well, I was with Susan, then it means that Pritchard killed her to get to me. Yeah, and of course, devastated by the absolute betrayal. And, you know, in, in his eyes, you know, you see Pritchard going, you're going to throw me under the bus? And then you see him pull out the gun. And I thought to myself right then and there he was going to shoot. And he did. He actually shot. Didn't he shoot? Um, no, that Bryce? happened before. That was the goons. That's right. The goons shot him. Yeah. Yeah. The goons shot Farrell. And you think he's going to shoot Bryce. Bryce, yeah. 
And then he turns it on himself and blows his brains out. Yeah. And you're like, what What did I just see? But of course we find out. And as Bryce tries to weasel his way out of this whole situation, Bryce tells the investigators that Pritchard was actually Yuri. Yeah. That way we can conclude the search. You know, uh, Tom doesn't need to go through the front scanners. Nothing. It was all him. He and the reason was oh. that the reason that he killed her was to get to him. He yep. was he was a, a gay man in love with me. He killed this person, killed that person, and then and then, and then because the 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 uh, embarrassment was so much, he ended his own life. And then you think, oh, okay. Now we see that also Tom sends out the printout to the director of the CIA, Bryce's political revival, and the last part of the this scene we see that as he leaves the finished photograph reveals him tom as as susan's lover now we go back to the interrogation room yes we do which is now that it's now the clue that we got at the very beginning of the film at the state dinner is tom goes up to the bar and very casually normally orders a stoli straight up Mm -hmm. Referring to Stolichnaya vodka, which is very nice vodka, but it is a Russian vodka. Yes, it is. And have you ever had it? It's lovely. Never had it. No. Oh, I love Stoli. But that is actually a tell because then we get back to the interrogation room and the guy behind the window finally comes out and he starts to talk in Russian To to Tom Farrell, who answers him. In, in Russian. Russian, and he and and Tom now the actually, gentleman that actually comes out from the from the from behind the glass was actually Tom Farrell's landlord. Oh, I, oh, I missed that part. Yeah, it's his landlord. And and Tom says to him, "Can we please switch to English? My Russian is very rusty." We, yeah, and he says, "Oh, I would think that you would be starved for to hear the sound of your mother tongue, comrade, comrade." And we realize that. Tom really was Yuri. And he's been a deep cover spy raised as an, as an American from a young age to serve as a high yep. level mole within the American government. Yep. Now, although it wasn't known at the time of the movie's release, many years later, it was revealed that there actually was a cell of Russian sleeper agents who had been hiding in plain sight in the United States for decades. Really? Oh my God. Several of them had children, co-workers, friends, and neighbors who all had no idea that they were spies. In 2010, a group of these so-called illegals were arrested and ultimately returned to Russia in trade for some Americans that Russia was holding. Wow. Yeah. So it yeah. actually, we they didn't know it, but it was actually based on some truth. Yeah, that's very, very scary. Yeah. So, of course... Uh, Farrell is because you know Farrell's now fulfilled his mission, and Farrell's told by his handler to return to the Soviet Union. But of course, he refuses. He's revealing that he genuinely loved Susan Atwell, yeah, and he's basically finished being a spy. Of course, you know, there's these goons. Russia doesn't like that. They Russia doesn't they, like that. They don't like not having complete control over people. No, but luckily his hand handler, which is this guy, allows him to depart, believing the believing that he will eventually return to Russia. And as we see in the last part of the movie, Farrell gets into his car and drives away to an uncertain fate. The movie goes black, and that is the end of 1987, No Way Out. Now, and it's a movie of zero to five movie reels. Zero being how do I get the last 144, sorry, 114 minutes of my life back to five. It was a perfect movie, and I would watch it all over again. What would you give this movie? Five plus. I love this movie. This is seriously one of my absolute all-time favorite movies. Okay. I will give it um, a solid four. I would think at least a four and a half. No, solid four. A lot of the movie was... A lot of the movie was very drawn out. I think the chase scene was very drawn out. It didn't need to go down that long. Um, I I think it was rather clever how he hid in the ceiling when the guys were looking for him. That was actually very smart. I wouldn't have thought of that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of the things were, I mean, obviously, I loved the fact that there was one of those, um, I didn't see coming moments. Yep. Would you sit there and go, "Oh my god, I didn't see that," and that's the that's a genuinely great part of a movie where you don't see it coming, 
um, but he's been sitting in plain sight. Now, I would never have thought that him ordering a stolly was anything but him just ordering a stolly because he likes vodka. Well, and the, the reason why that was such a good tell and such a, a good hint, if you're really paying attention, is very few Americans will drink vodka straight. It's always on the rocks or mixed into something else. Yeah. Very, yeah. very few Americans can handle it straight. Yeah. So I wouldn't have, I really wouldn't have thought about that at all, but I would. Although oddly, the very first time I ever had vodka was was straight. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could handle that straight. It's, it's way too harsh for me. But no, I, I thoroughly, I, you know, I said I, it was a good movie. It wasn't, it's not one that I'm going to go and revisit anytime soon. I'm glad I watched it. It it kept me entertained for 114 minutes. There were certain parts of the movie that I just thought was just, you know, so drawn out, unnecessary. I mean, look, watching it now, as opposed to the first time I saw it back in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> I, I remember the first time I ever saw it uh, was in, yeah, in the in the early 90s. And I was watching it one night after work. And usually I would fall asleep watching movies on TV. But this one kept me up and engaged and my blood pumping right up to the very end. The first yeah. time I saw it. And I have been in love with this movie ever since. Yeah. And as I said, it's a good movie. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and poo-hoo it and say it was a bad movie. It wasn't by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it but had now a, watching it had a very it, strong cast. Yeah. Now watching it with a, a more educated yeah. mind. Yeah. I can see where they probably should. Uh, like that Oh, that three and a half minute opening sequence could have definitely been cut down. Yeah. I mean, look, that I'm, was uh, the way of it in the 80s. In the, in the 80s had a very, they right. had to. And as you said to me, as we were watching it, they put all the cast, all the crew, the producer, the director, all on the opening credits as we got that shot. Yeah, of which now Washington. is usually reserved for, because every movie, the, the, the rule in Hollywood is the, the credits and the, have to be done twice yeah but he gets credit twice these days they'll usually do like the main cast the stars um the writer the producer and the director and then you go into whatever it is so it's a quick and easy thing if they do it at all if they don't do it then it just goes through twice at the end yeah i was actually thinking where i've seen that lately and even like if you got like say iron man to begin with you know, it comes up to Marvel. Then you see the opening sequence and you see Iron Man and then it goes into the movie. Yeah. You don't see oh, Robert Downey Jr. as or yeah. So yeah, they, they, they try to reserve it right very, to the very end. Yeah. That was something that really went out of fashion probably in the late 90s. And I, and I think that was, it genuinely should have gone out that way. because it's smart. Yeah. It's because smart. watching this opening opening sequence of three and a half minutes watching the skyline and look we're going over the city oh look we're going into the suburb now oh, look, there's a street dc is a gorgeous city to fly over there's oh. beautiful monuments and things yeah. in there at night is just magical to yeah. see like the jefferson memorial all lit up and stuff it is just to fly into washington national which is now ronald reagan airport yeah to do that, I mean, to fly in or out of there is just incredible to see, but to do it at night, oh, it's just amazing. But I actually got to see uh, the space shuttle Enterprise parked on the on a spare runway. Yes, you've got a photograph. Flying out of DC. Yeah, you took a photograph of it and yeah, showed me. Yes, I did out of the out of the window. I saw yeah. it. But no, I, I as I said, I think you know this for for anyone that is interested in watching this movie. We would certainly recommend you going to watch it for sure. It's currently on yeah. Prime, I believe. Yeah. Um, I think it's Prime. I'll double check. Yeah, it is very, very well worth um, watching. It'll keep you engaged. Um, you know, you won't be bored with it. I can guarantee you that. It's just there are some aspects of the movie that I would have liked to have seen, you know, toned down a little bit as far as just let's get into the movie. We don't yeah, need, it's on Prime. Yeah, we don't need three and a half minutes of seeing all of uh washington plus the outer suburbs and the streets and the houses um and a lot of the chase scenes could have really been toned been down. Cut down a bit like it the wasn't... one when he was running to warn nina that one could have been shaved down that was just so long yeah that one i i admit definitely was five it's minutes of running he's jumping around and he's rolling around in his white stay pristine white yeah that's yeah yeah um but I'm never giving it a four out of five. That's you know. But but even even with that, I'd still give it a five out of five. It's still one of my all time favorite movies. Yep, that's fine. 
But yeah, so that is the movie Plus, No Way Out. Give it a half a point just for being able to see some Sean Young's boobies. No. <laughs> Still only a four. <laughs> Still <laughs> well, only a four. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, you know there's, there's perfection and then there is yours. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. No, there there is Sean Young's boobies and then there is yours. And yours are <laughs> a lot more perfect than that than hers. So believe right, me. On that happy note. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, especially if you lasted all this way. I have no yes. idea this was. I hope it wasn't that long if for everyone. Enjoyed this. Please make sure to give us a, a like and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you know anyone else who enjoys movies, we'd love to have them along for the conversation. Where can they find us? Hello at homeclassmoviechat.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again. And we'll catch up with you next time at the movies. Mm-hmm.